How y'all feeling today? Are you guys awake today? Are you ready for church today? Oh, this group is. What about you guys over here? Did y'all come ready for God's word today? All right, all right. Hey, make some noise for all my friends watching online. We love you. Thank you for watching. All of you around the world, thank you for taking time to partner with us. I believe that God's going to speak to you. Hey, I've got some very special friends in the house this morning. Over 22 years of friendship, Brant and Julie Adkinson. Would you make some noise for our friends from Tulsa? Welcome. Thank you for coming to hang out with us. They're here in Boston, so we're going to have some food together. Everybody knows Pastor Josh likes to eat. Hey, let me echo one thing that Stephanie said, and that is thank you for your generosity. Thank you for giving over and above. Um, our prayer is that we will begin to continually send missionaries around the clock all over the world. And last week, we got to send Miss Josie Lopez. I love you guys. I'm so proud of you guys for allowing her to go and follow God's purpose for her life. I'm so pumped that it's fully funded. She can take that off her mind and just do what God's called her to do. So if you think about Josie, pray for her this week. She's, she's already fully engaged, rocking with the kids there, having a great time. Maybe she's watching online. We love you, Josie. Can't wait till you're home safe and sound. Let me pray for you, and we will jump right in today. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. As we always do, Lord, we come to your word, and we ask you for direction. We ask you for insight. Speak to us. Lord, we come with ears to hear and hearts to receive. Father, what you would have for us as a church today and as individuals today, Lord, I thank you for giving me boldness to declare your word as you always do. Remind me of the stories and the scriptures and the illustrations that you want your people to hear today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. I'm a little wound up. We had such a great first service, so I have high expectations for you guys today, okay? I said, okay. Last week, we started a brand new series called Not of This World. Would you say that out loud? Not of this world. Remind your neighbor, say, you ain't from here. God sent you. And last week, we began to talk about Jesus, God's son, and how he was sent. Everybody say sent. He was sent on a mission to do three things. I'm going to give you a little recap in case you skipped church last week. He's sent to do three things. Number one, to do the will of the Father. You know, God has a will for each and every one of us, including, and it started with Jesus. The will of the Father was very simple for Jesus, and that was for him to come to earth and reconnect God and man once again. And we talked about this last week, that, that Jesus came to restore what Adam forfeited. Adam messed it up. Adam jacked it up for us. And in his choices, there was a separation. And so God had to send a second Adam. Jesus, the second Adam, when you get an understanding that, that Jesus was second Adam, you get an understanding of what creation was intended for, and you understand that now that union has been brought back together, and we have the same authority that Adam had. Thank you, Miss Althea. I'll come preach to you. I love this woman. She comes, she comes to both services every Sunday, and I think simply just to come cheer me on, so I'll just preach to you today. But listen, when you get an understanding that, that Jesus was the Redeemer, He came to redeem what was lost, that now things have been put back in our possession, our authority, our dominion, our creativity, our boldness. Guess what? That's the will of the Father that mankind would have what He intended for you to have since day one. 
Number two, he came not only to do the will of the Father, he came to redeem mankind. Everybody say redemption. Redemption means that the blood of Jesus paid a price to cover our sins. It means that we were bought back. We talked about this last week. I was, I'm from old school church. We used to do hand motions with the songs. In our church, we'd sing that song, I'm going to the enemy's camp, and I'm going to do it with me. Take back what they stole from me. Y'all remember that song? Take back what he stole from me. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to take back what God had lost through sin to the, to, the, to the prince of darkness. What was it that he lost? He lost you. He lost me. He lost humanity to, to do his will on the earth. He had lost relationship. He came to do the will of the Father. He came to redeem us and buy us back. And lastly, he came to bring the kingdom of light from heaven to earth. He came to dispel darkness everywhere he went. We were reading last week in the Gospels where Jesus was with his disciples and the Pharisees were, were, were trying to stump him and said, when's the kingdom of heaven going to come? Tell us, oh great one. And he said, man, you guys are so stupid. The kingdom of heaven is here right now in the midst of you and you don't even recognize it. He was saying, I am the kingdom of light. And then he began to talk to the disciples, the kingdom's in you and 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 the kingdom's in you. We have received the kingdom of light because Jesus came. For many people, they're still walking in darkness because the light hasn't come to their life. Jesus was sent to bring the kingdom of light so that people could walk in freedom once again. Today, I want to talk about you and I. Bump your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. I, I want to talk about you and I. I want to talk about what is our role now in the mission. Jesus was sent. Today, I want to talk about you being sent. What role do you play? What responsibility do you have in the mission of Jesus Christ? And we'll look at John chapter 17. This is the scripture we started the series with, and this is the, the scripture that we'll continue in today, and next week we'll wrap this up. But I want to look at John chapter 17. If you've got a device, if you're just pen and paper, old school, write this down. You can look it up later to make sure that I'm saying the truth. The message version says, now I'm returning to you, and I'm saying these things in the world's hearing. This is Jesus talking to God the Father on behalf of the disciples and ultimately on behalf of you and I. And he said, I'm saying these things in the world's hearing. I, I believe he was saying, I'm prophesying this right now. I'm declaring this on earth as it is in heaven. He said, so that my people can experience my joy completed in them. Lord, I gave them your word. And the godless world hated them because of it. Because they didn't join the world's ways, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but that you would guard them from the evil one. Let me just stop right here. Some of us have been asking God to remove us from situations in which you've been sent on a purpose. That is good preaching. Listen, we have, we have to get it straight to recognize that you're on mission, I'm on mission, just as Jesus was on mission, and just as he prayed, don't remove them, just protect them. Let me tell you something, everywhere you go, there's a protection that surrounds your life because you're on mission from the Messiah. 
So we don't have to walk in fear. I don't have to walk in doubt. I don't have to walk in darkness. I can walk in joy and peace and authority and dominion knowing he ain't pulling me out. He's put me in. He said, they are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. So here's my prayer for them. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrated truth. He says this, consecration means to be set apart. One one version of it in the Greek means to be given authority as if. What's he saying? I want them to be consecrated in the truth just as I am. I want them to walk in the full authority and dominion that God had intended from day one when Adam forfeited. He's saying, I'm praying for them, that they would be set apart, that they would understand their purpose, and that they would fulfill their calling. He's praying for you. He goes on to say, in that same way, that you gave me a mission in the world, I now give them a mission in the world. So I consecrate myself, I set myself apart, I take my authority on their behalf so they will be truth consecrated in their mission. I want to tell you something, God has a purpose for your life and there's a mission and a mandate and a responsibility that you carry as a believer of Christ. As a follower of Christ, we are called to imitate him. In every area of our life, and so if he came on a mission, that means you and I are on a mission. Van Halen used to have a song called, Man on a Mission. Nobody like Van Halen in here? Where's all my 80s fans? Nobody? Okay, I see you, David Harris. All the spiritual people put their hands in their pockets. He He just said Van Halen in church. But there's something that needs to be adopted into the life of a believer in the season to understand you're not here to hide out. You're not here to survive until the end. You've been placed here on a purpose in his prayer is that you would recognize you've been consecrated in his truth. You know, for the last 22 years, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to be a pastor in one form or another. In 2000, I was on staff with these amazing people in a little church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and there was nine teenagers that showed up the first time I was there. But because of their hunger, God began to show up. And, and began to move in their life, and, and they would ask questions, as teenagers do, when they're wrestling with God's plan for their life. And then I moved from there to, to Shreveport, Louisiana, and the same thing, there was a larger group of students there, but the same two questions kept getting asked over and over and over. And from there to San Antonio, back to Tulsa, and then 10 years in Southern California as a pastor, the, the same questions have been asked me even the last six years that I've been here. The number one question I get asked as a pastor is how do I know that it's God speaking to me? Almost on a weekly basis, someone wants to call and meet. They want counseling. They have a decision. They have a calamity. They're in the middle of a crisis, and they want to know, how how do I know that it's just him? How do I know it's not just me? Because I have lots of thoughts, and I have lots of voices, and, and these people are saying this, but I think I'm hearing this. The number one question I get asked the pastor, how do I know if it's God speaking to me? The second question, which is a very close second, is how do I know what my purpose is? And I believe that's humanity. They want to know, how do I know if this is God versus myself or somebody else's opinion? And alongside of that, once I discover it's God's voice, how do I know what his purpose is? How do I I know that it's his purpose and not just my ego or my drive or my passion or my education or the way that I was brought up? Today I want to talk to you about your purpose, 
And I want to talk to you about the understanding that you've been created not only with a purpose, but you have been sent. Everybody say sent. On purpose. We will revisit this a minute here, right? Sent means there's a cause. When you're sent somewhere, it's because there's a cause. I, I shared this last week. My, my wife says, will you go to Target and get some diapers and some bleach? I'm like, are you asking me or are you telling me? I need some diapers and we need some bleach. You'll go to the, and I get in the car and someone will call me. Steve will call me. I'll be talking to Steve on the phone. I get carried away, get to Target and realize there's nobody in line at Starbucks. It's pumpkin spice latte season. And I get over there like I'm just like a, pulled me in like a tractor beam, pumpkin spice latte. And I, I order the coffee. And before you know it, I'm leaving Target on the way home having a great conversation. And I get home and my wife's like, where's the, where's the bleach and the diapers? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I got distracted by the stinking pumpkin spice again. She said, turn around and go back. Listen, she sent me to get something. She sent me to do something. She had a cause in mind. A purpose, a being sent means that there was an order or instruction to go to a particular destination or a particular direction. When I talk about you being sent, it's not some wild thing out here. It's a very specific moment in time with a place and a cause behind it. The cause is humanity. The reason Jesus was sent was to save you and I. And the same reason that we are being sent is to save our neighbors and our friends and our loved ones and our co-workers and those that educate our kids. It is to give them the light of the gospel. To let them know they've been redeemed, that they've been bought back. So here's two things you need to know about your purpose. If you're taking notes, number one, your purpose goes beyond your life here on earth. Your life has eternal implications. For every ordinary man and woman who don't know the Lord, they are building their life here on the earth with no thought of an afterlife. Your life as a believer has eternal implications. The second thing is your purpose isn't even about you. It's about others. Well, I know my purpose. Tell me about it. If it revolves around you, I'm going to tell you, that's your idea and that's your dream that you've adopted from somewhere in your past. But it doesn't mean it's God's purpose for your life because your purpose isn't about you. Your purpose was designed to be used through you to affect others for eternity. I meet people all the time and they want to tell me about their dream. This is my dream. This is my dream. This is what I've always dreamed of. And when they start to paint the picture, it only amounts to stuff that exists in this time frame for, time frame for the 85 years they're going to walk on this ball of mud floating in outer space. And it has nothing to do with eternity. You and I are separated, consecrated with a purpose, with a destiny in mind. And it's not necessarily just our destiny. It's the destiny of those that he places in our sphere of influence. 16 years old, I was frustrated as a church planter's kid. We had moved a bunch, and we had moved all over the place. My parents planted about a dozen churches between the time I was two years old and the time I was 15 years old, and we landed in South Alabama. Everybody say Alabama. Alabama. Everybody say Roll Tide. Roll Tide. <laughs> Notice half of them didn't say it. They're like, no, we ain't saying that. We ain't saying that. 
And at 16, I realized I don't want to stay in Mobile. I don't want to be here. And at that time, I wanted to go on adventures. I wanted to go overseas. I wanted to go see the world. I wanted to see different cultures. I wanted to eat different food. I, I wanted to experience life in its totality, not just one dot on a map. And so I signed up for my first missions trip where my sister was leading a group to Peru, South America. And, and I got to Peru, and man, we had, I had the best time. It was everything that I thought it would be, even just packing up and going through customs and all that rigmarole and, you know, getting through the airport and getting in a van and driving through a city you don't know and smelling things you've never smelled, seeing people that you've never seen before, eating food. Like, everything was just awesome. And I was like, man, this is my life. This is what I want. This is my dream. Maybe I won't go home. Maybe I'll just stay here with my backpack. My dream was to buy a one-way ticket and go to South America and just come home whenever I wanted to but not have any expiration date. And I found myself on that trip on a specific day. We were in this town square near the market, and my sister had people getting up and sharing the gospel, kind of open-air style. There'd be hundreds and hundreds of people gathering, and there was this flower pot thing sitting on the ground, and she would tell somebody, stand up on the flower pot and give a gospel message. And so one by one, they'd get up and talk about, you know, Jesus came. He was sent to the earth. Same message I'm preaching to you today. He had a purpose for your life. He's got a destiny for you. You don't have to walk in darkness. Light has come. Hey, if you want to receive Jesus, pray this prayer. How many of you want to receive Jesus? And every hand in the crowd would go up. They'd never heard the gospel. They would pray the prayer of salvation with them right there, and we would hand out tracts and talk with them and pray, and then the group would walk away, and 15, 20 minutes later, there'd be a whole other group of people that are coming through the market. Somebody else would stand up and preach the gospel message, Jesus died. He was rose again to give you power, to give you authority, reconnect you with God, go through the whole thing. Again, hundreds and hundreds of hands would go up. And a few minutes went by, and my sister said, hey, it's your turn. And I said, who are you, who are you talking to? She grabbed me. She said, your turn. Stand up there. Let's go. There's a whole other group of people. And so with trembling knees and a quiver in my voice, I got up and I began to preach the gospel for the very first time. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. He knows your name. He knows the amount of hairs on your head. He's numbered them. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he had a purpose and a plan. He wants to get to know you right now, right where you are. And I preached the gospel. And I gave a simple little message. And I said, how many of you want that? And hundreds and hundreds of hands went up. And I gave the first altar call. And then I stepped down off of that flower planter, and I started to walk away. And in that moment, I knew my purpose. In, in one moment's time, I knew my purpose. My destiny was revealed. In one moment from the time I stepped down off of that onto the ground and my feet hit the earth again. I was like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And it's more than this is what I want to do. This is the will of my Father. This is what He wants me to do. For every one of us, God has a purpose. And it can be discovered through Him. Listen to this. My purpose and your purpose is wrapped in a mission for this earth that can only come from Jesus. Rick Warren says it this way. I love how he says this. He said, God is not just the starting point of your life. He's the source of it. To discover your purpose in life, you must turn to God's word, not the world's wisdom. 
You must build your life on eternal truths, not popular psychology, successful motivational speeches, or inspirational stories. For Christians, we must make a counterculture decision to focus on becoming more like Christ every day. And if we don't, there's other forces like our parents, our peers, our friends, our coworkers, and culture trying to mold you into their image. I want to challenge you today to ask the Lord what your purpose is because it's tied with your passion. It's tied with your passion. Whatever you're passionate about is a leading way. It's a, it's a stepping stone to discover your purpose. He's not going to call you to do something that you don't enjoy. He's going to call you to do something that fulfills you and brings you joy for His glory. I said this last week, and I'm going to take a moment to repeat it again today. But as parents, we have an, an obligation and a responsibility to talk to our children about God's plan for their life and not let somebody else outside of us tell them and give them an influence of what they should be or how they should arrive at their purpose. We have to stop letting others define who we are. We're children of the Most High. We're joint heirs with Jesus. We're eternal beings. We're supernatural beings that have been sent here on a mission. We have to stop asking our children, so what do you want to do when you grow up? Who cares what they want to do when they grow up? The greatest question is what does he want them to become and do when they grow up? We have society telling us, or telling our kids, you can make a decision to be whoever you want. You don't want to be a boy, just become a girl. That's not God's plan. Yeah, I'm going there for a moment. It's important that you understand that we have a biblical truth that we stand on, and we recognize that God created you the way you are with a purpose and a destiny in mind. And so if he's created you as a woman, there is a call on your life to be a woman of God. And if he's called you to be a man, there's a calling on you to take your place as a man. It's not our choice. We're submitted to him and his plan and his will for our life. That is the will of the Father. Romans chapter 12. Sorry if I'm stepping on your toes today. Actually, sorry, not sorry. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Amplified Classic. He says, do not be conformed to this world or this age or this society fashioned after and adapted to its external feelings and superficial customs. You're a child of God. Become transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitude. So you may prove for yourselves what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. Now be transformed according to what everybody's telling you or what's popular right now. Do what's right. Make the Word your foundation. And when storms come, you'll have a place to anchor down and push through. Anchor your family to the Word. Anchor your relationships to the Word. Anchor everything you're doing to the Word. Don't allow the world to transform you into what they want you to be. Listen, I'm not moldable to their system. I was created with a destiny, with a purpose. And I don't care what you think. 
And I don't care what anybody else thinks. One day I will stand before God the Father and give an account for what he called me to do. And so will you. Listen to this out of the Passion Translation. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of culture around you. Listen up, young people. Be inwardly transformed inside, not outside. Outside. Inside by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. We talked about this for three weeks about our souls being healthy, our souls being full, because our soul is our mind. It's the way we think. It's the way we act. It's the way we do. But if you reform to the way you think, this will empower you, listen to this, to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His in his eyes. To every one of us, when we receive a relationship with Christ, we receive an assignment. So am I, so I send you. He sent us to a destination with a cause, but he didn't leave us empty-handed. The Bible says, he said, I have to go because the one that you need next is coming. And if I stay... He can't come, so I'm going to go, and then the Holy Spirit's going to come. Luke talks about him being our guide. He talks about him being our, 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 our tour guide, our, our comforter along life's way. He's got the map. He's basically saying, I have to go because you're going to need the Holy Ghost GPS to get where you need to be. And because of that power, guess what? You'll have a discernment inside like, this ain't right, or this ain't right, or this is right. Every one of us have a discerner. Everybody say, I have the great discerner on the inside of me. Once you have the Holy Spirit, you have the ability now to discern for yourself in His will. Once you've discovered your purpose, you understand, listen, that God has challenged you to live beyond your earthly circumstances and rather for a heavenly vision. I'll read you this and then we'll close. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 18, Paul says, So fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. One of my scriptures that I love is, For we walk by faith and not by... Oh, y'all know that scripture? Yeah. For we walk by faith. And not by sight. What does that mean? It means you're not walking the direction that you can see. You're walking by faith the way he directs. Listen, faith is not waiting for the plan to show up. Faith is stepping up when you don't know the plan. Faith is doing the right thing even though when you can't see it and you look around and nobody's following. Faith is taking a step towards light in the dark times. Faith is pursuing God's plan and discerning His will for you and your family when it goes against everybody else in your neighborhood's ideas, ideals, or theology. You have to make a decision for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. For me and my house, we are going to answer to him and we're going to say yes to whatever assignment he gives us. For me and my house, for me and those that are close to me, I'm going to follow God's plan. I'm going to discern it for myself. I'm going to match it against the word and then I'm going to lock onto it like a bulldog and I'm going to do what he's called me to do. Regardless of criticism, regardless of what people may say about you, 
regardless about what they'll post on social media about you. For me and my house, I'm going to do the will of the Father. And I don't care if it makes people mad. Or you feel like that I should be doing something else. I, as the leader of this church, stand in the authority and I say, for us, we are going to follow the plan of God. For what he's called international family to do in this time, in this season, in this region, and around the world. We are a body of people who are determined to stay the course and to ramp up the speed because we know that time is short. We will not back down. We will not stand down. We will speak the truth in love and we will march forward unified by the power of the Holy Spirit. Together. Stand with me. God's hand is on this house. God has placed amazing people in this house with gifts and talents on a purpose. We're on a mission. You didn't choose this church. God sent you here. I said, God sent you here. There's a place for you. There's a gift and a talent on the inside of you that belongs connected to a body. And you can take your gift and your talent and go do your own thing, but it will not produce life. Our gifts, our talents, our callings, they only work when they're joined to the body with Jesus, the head of the body. challenge you as your pastor step out of survival mode and step into significance mode in trying seasons and challenging times you have to remember you were called of God you didn't choose this time and place you just said yes and so in it we recognize that he gives us the power and the ability to march forward with joy, with grace, and with peace. Thank you for your message last night to me. Thank you for your words. To all of our elders, grateful for all of you. Thank you for your encouragement. Don't be distracted. Do not be detoured. Stay the course. In January on Vision Sunday, I gave a message about staying the course. The Lord gave me that a year before I gave you that address in January, knowing where we were going and knowing what troubled waters were ahead. It's a word for you, but more than that, it's a word for me as your pastor. It was a prophetic word to me and my wife, and I've extended it to you. Stay the course. 
Stay the course. Fulfill the mandate. Walk out your calling as individuals and let's walk out our calling as a church. We don't exist for man, we exist for him. And everything we do and have done for 40 years in this church, it's all about people. We do it for those that aren't here yet. If you're new to our church, we say, welcome home, make yourself at home, but you need to understand, this church does not exist for you. We're grateful you're coming. We want you to be here, but it exists for those that don't know the gospel yet. I said, it exists for those that don't know Jesus yet. We're grateful. Thank you for contributing. Thank you for being hard. But you've got to understand that I have two purposes as your pastor. Number one, to lead people to the Lord. And number two, once they've been led to the Lord, equip them to serve others. And that's what we'll continue to do. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just raise your hands, Lord. We... We surrender to you again. We we release everything that would try to hold us in our minds, our emotions, and our physical bodies. We lay it down at your feet. We say yes to you. One final charge. As we talk about your purpose, know that your purpose prepares you for eternity. Look at me just for a moment. Your job is temporary, but the souls of your coworkers are eternal. Your kid's school campus is a temporary place where they're being educated, but the souls of their classmates, the teachers and instructors are eternal. They're on that campus on purpose. Your small group that you will join next week, that will dissipate in 10 weeks, but the relationships that you build will take on to eternity. Your stuff, your toys, your cars, your house, everything that you've built on this side of eternity will be gone in a moment. But guess what? We have a responsibility to take one thing with us. That is souls. I won't read it to you, but as I close, 1 Corinthians 3.10 talks about building upon the foundation for which Jesus built our lives. And we can't add to the foundation. We just build on top of it. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, we have a choice of the materials that we choose to build that life with. We can choose wood, hay, stubble, or we can choose gold, silver, and precious stones. I've built some stuff in my time. I love Home Depot. It's one of my favorite places. And every guy in the room said, (laughs) when you go to Home Depot, you have a choice of building supplies. You can buy the cheap wood. You can buy the good wood. You can buy the cheap stone. You can buy the expensive stone. And what he's saying here is don't build your life with earthly things that will fade away. Make sure you choose the precious stones. He says, for in a moment you will stand before God and you will be judged by fire, your works, the thing that you created, the significance that you think you brought to the table. The fire of God will fall. And it says that in a moment the wood, hay, and stubble will be burned up in just a puff of smoke. But then there will be those things that lie below the surface, which are gold, silver, and precious stones. What are those things? Wood, hay, and stubble, it's the thing that people see on the external. Oh, they have a nice marriage. Oh, he's got a cool truck. Oh, he's got a great 401k. He's got four weeks vacation. They have two acres. He's got six motorcycles. None of it matters. 
That's the stuff that man sees and puts value on. And God says, I only put value on the things that nobody sees. The things, the plans, and the purposes that I put in somebody's heart. And we'll stand before him and he'll say all that other stuff. Very cool. Great. That was awesome. But let's dig down a little bit. Did you do what I told you to do? Did you build everything on a natural mindset? Or did you build your life with a spiritual structure knowing that these things need to carry on? For me and my house, I will stand before the Lord and say we built our lives upon your word. And we did everything that you asked us to do even when it went against popular opinion. Those are the things that remain. Here's the truth. Only you and you and you know what God's asked you to do. Carlos, only you know what God's asked you to do. When I stand before the Lord, I want him to say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me ask you one question. Have you been earthly-minded and focused? Have you gotten caught up in this side of eternity? It's time to shift gears as a church and remember that we have an eternal call. I love Sundays, I love this building, I love you guys, I like stuff, but this means nothing if people aren't getting saved and meeting Jesus, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and going back into their world and being sent by the greater one. I ask you over the next week as we wrap this message up next week, adjust your heart, check yourself. How much time is being spent on earthly things and how much time is being spent on eternal investments? I said all that to say, God has a purpose for your life. And maybe you're here and you say, I don't know my purpose. I don't feel like I have a destiny, man. I, I feel like I'm just wandering. I'm, I'm in the dark right now. I'm confused. I'm frustrated, man. And to be honest with you, I, I don't know how I can move forward. I want to tell you there's hope in Jesus. There's light in Jesus and your dark world and your confused mindset. There is clarity that comes through relationship with Jesus. And all you got to do is call out to him. I extend that to you today as your friend. I implore you, call out on Jesus. Set some eternal things in motion for your life. If you're here all across this room and watching online, if you need Jesus, and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus in my life. Right now, just all over this altar, just put your hand up and wave it at me, and I'll pray for you. Yes, I see you. Yes, I see you. Yes, yes, yes. Say, pray for me, Pastor. Yes, I see you right here. All the way, one, two, three over here. Yes. Hands going up. Say, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need that clarity you're talking about. I see you. Yes, ma'am. Got you. Yes, ma'am. I need peace in my life again. I need a fresh start. I need to know my purpose, and I need to hear his voice. All across this room, if it's you, say, just wave at me. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I see you all the way in the back. Yes, ma'am. Say, how do I know if that's me? Man, your heart's beating out of your chest right now. That's the Holy Spirit nudging you to say yes to Jesus. One more time. I'll look all across the altar. If that's you, all the way in the back. Yes, ma'am. Just in time. Say, pray for me. Would you look at me? Let's do this together as a family. We're a family church. And again, if you're new here, we say, welcome home. Thanks for, thanks for being here. But out of your heart, if you raised your hand, 
Just say this with us. We've prayed this prayer many times. Pray it every week. Lord, say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins, that his blood would be shed and I could be bought back. Today, I receive Jesus. Today, I accept my purpose. Today, I commit to Jesus, the Lord of my life, for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, make some noise for all those that prayed the prayer.